Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. Bang, bang. What is up, my Goalie Hacks community? Welcome back to the show, and hope everyone is doing well, because today... We got an awesome special for you guys, a solo session uh, by me, which we haven't done in a while, um, which I like to try and get in every 10 to 15 episodes, but today's a special day here on the show, and because today is the inaugural Goalie Hacks Q&A podcast episode, which I'm super proud to present to you guys, featuring members of our community, and it's just filled with great questions, and I think just some great advice we, we haven't really discussed much on the show yet. You guys are going to love. Um, and thank you to everyone who submitted their questions. Uh, I know I, I didn't have an opportunity to, to get to all of them today, but I will over the, the coming months once we get more questions that, that come in to make another episode. And um, But if you guys want to send in your questions to have it featured on the show, like here today, just head to speakpipe.com slash goalie hacks. Introduce yourself, record your question quickly, and uh, send it in to me for an opportunity to have your voice clip featured on the show. And if you guys haven't heard yet, right now we're offering the brand new VR compatible, new and significantly improved NeuroTracker X software at a huge discount. So listen up before it's gone. Because the NTX is such a next level product, the price of the software is typically $425, which is still cheaper and about a quarter of the price of the Century, which goes for about $2,000 annually. But because we want to get this software in as many goaltenders' hands as possible to help you guys reach your goals this year and increase your performance and ultimately chase championships, we're offering a 30% discount off the product for only a short amount of time longer for only $300. So $425 typically to $300. It's a crazy discount going on right now. And we've gotten close to 30 people started now with lots of people taking advantage of this offer over the weekend um, because you likely won't see savings like this again. So head to the show notes and click the NTX promo link to take advantage of this offer before it's gone or send me a DM directly to just get more information on how it can improve your performance or increase your recovery time from injury significantly and you know ultimately how exactly the NTX will be beneficial to you in your career. So don't sleep on this, guys. The NTX is the most scientifically proven Visual brain training tool on the market used in every major sports leagues worldwide, including the NHL. With over 500,000 users and 20 years of experience, you cannot go wrong with the NeuroTracker X. So hit me up for more details, guys. Uh, shout out to Shea Spanier, member of my inner circle for upping his pledge in my mentorship program to the Coder tier, and where I provide video review and analysis reports on a monthly basis for him now going forward. And Shea and I have been working together for quite some time now, and he's loving the growth he's been experiencing in his game and his career. Um, but are you interested in catapulting your development? Well, if you'd like to participate in our monthly private uh, Q&A Zoom sessions, where we do personal Q&A on any issues you, you, you have and, and have a monthly lesson to chat about as well. And uh, maybe some video review and analysis like I mentioned. Um, or if you're interested in developing systems you know that fit your identity, we talk about systems a lot on the show. And getting right down to the bottom of your issues to increase your performance and consistency significantly. Then the highest tier, the hacker tier, offers 15 plus 
different templates on recruiting, uh, systems, routines, and uh, that list grows every week as I continue to work with kids, That and, and you'll get full access to everything, all the new documents and folders that I develop and come out with. Um, and as long, along with access to work with me 1v1 via phone calls on a weekly, monthly basis you know, to chat about your development and set up a plan on what the next steps are to continue growing. And, uh, you know, uh, for example, we, we had some kids, uh, you know, the season's getting underway now. So I'm, I'm significantly supporting kids and, and putting them in the right mindset. What should you be focusing on? What's the right thing to focus on to harness more success, to fix your errors quicker, to get your numbers better, to get more games, to be more consistent, all these things, because as amateur athletes, um, it can be really tough to, to figure out what you should be focusing on. And uh, everybody's having just massive amounts of success so far. And I'm super proud of, you know, how everybody is listening, following directions and, and giving what I have to say a chance and, and things are going well for them. So shout out to all the rest of my members as well. But just head to the link in the show description for more details or hit me up directly if you're interested in joining today. But without further ado, let's get into this week's inaugural Q&A segment. I know you guys are going to love the chat. Me and the Goalie Hacks members had today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Goalie Hacks podcast. And today on the show, we're doing something a little different than we usually do. And yes, I've announced it. I've talked about it uh, for a while now. And without further ado, we finally have our inaugural segment of the Goalie Hacks podcast. Yes, I don't know about you guys, um, you know, but I'm just super excited. Honestly, love doing Q&A segments because there's always just so many common questions that come up amongst, you know, members in the community that not even I can can think of sometimes. And um, oftentimes the best content idea comes from you guys, you know, issues or challenges that you're experiencing and, and you guys communicating with me about those challenges helps me craft just super niche and specific content that I know helps people. So just a quick note, um, I'm sure you guys, uh, you know, um, you know, once you hear this segment, you'll all hopefully want to have your question featured on the show as well. And I'd love to do one of these, you know, Q&A podcast segments as, as often as possible. You know, maybe even do some type of Q&A segment where I read off questions I get via direct messages or Instagram. But um, I honestly just love the audio segments and versions. And uh, I think you guys will too. And as I get to actually feature you guys and your voice clips on the show, um, you know, a little different. So once the show is done... Um, you know, if you want to record a question you have lately and, and have it featured on the show, you know, head to speakpipe.com slash goalie hacks to record and submit your question. It would be my honor to feature you guys on the show. And I know we have a lot of longtime listeners and I know we have, um, you know, we have people that tune in every Tuesday morning on a, on a frequent basis. We have quite a few people and I would love to feature you all on the show. So don't be shy, please. There's no wrong or bad questions. I will eventually get to everyone. So, so don't worry about, uh, is your question going to be featured? Please submit it and just please be patient, but enough said about that. Um, thank you for tuning in today. And uh, I'm your host, Mike Santaguida, and thank you to all the Goalie Hacks community members who submitted a question today. Super pumped to feature these on the show, and I know you guys are going to love it too. So how about we jump right into our inaugural Q&A segment and get after it. And uh, there are no introductions necessary today, so we're going to get right into the content. So let's get into our first question of the day. Hey, Mike. It's Stefan, one of your hacks from Chicago. And definitely one question I was wanting to ask, especially that you play at the higher level, you know, 
when you can tell there's some sort of breakdown going into your zone and after a couple minutes, the, the guys can't get the puck out the zone. After, after a little face-off and after the puck is held, do you talk to your players at all or do you let them kind of communicate with them themselves or do you just kind of stay away from them? What is something that you usually do to kind of keep yourself still in rhythm but as well as kind of talk to your teammates and maybe see if there's something you can do to kind of get back on track? Stefan, thanks for your question, buddy. I appreciate you taking the time to submit it. And uh, Stefan is a member of our mentorship and our inner circle. And uh, really, really good question, man. So um, there are a few points I want to make that will probably help you out in this regard and and help you support your teammates as best as possible to increase your odds of success. So number one is don't try and do too much on the ice. And oftentimes the best course of action is just focus on doing your own job. Right. If you're out there and you're getting distracted by, oh, my God, my team isn't doing this and they're, they're not showing up to play. And you know what I mean? One, it's it's you're worrying about something that you can't really control. Um, but two, it's taking away from your game and you got to focus on doing your own job. And, uh, you know, that this is a very common theme in, in goaltending. We want to control things. We want to help. We want to we want to be there for our teammates. Um, but number one is don't try and do too much on the ice. Really focus on doing your job the best. And, um, and you're going to be really good. Um, number two is positively support them. So you don't necessarily need to call out any plays right away, right? Usually the best way to lead is by being there and supporting your teammates emotionally and physically by supporting them with positive affirmations and, and stopping pucks and doing your own job, right? There's a time and a place to make corrections. And typically that's in between periods when everyone is, is, uh, isn't frustrated and tired and you have a chance to sit down and communicate well about what's happening. You know, when, when they're out there and they're getting hemmed, they know they're getting hemmed. They know they're tired. They know that things aren't going well. Um, and the best thing that you can do as a goalie is just, is just be positive with the team. Hey guys, don't worry. We're going to get the puck out. Let's, let's keep working. Let's keep working. We got this right. Like things like that. Um, that's what I say when I mean positive affirmation. When you're out there and you're trying to boss people around and tell them what to do, even if you have the best of intentions, for some reason it's 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 not accepted very well, especially under a time of stress. So although you want to do something, uh, the best thing you do is just focus on yourself and then be there for them emotionally, support them. Hey guys, we're gonna do we're gonna get this puck out. Don't worry, it's gonna be okay. We're gonna get the puck out. Let's keep working. Let's keep working. Knowing that you're there for them emotionally and, and even saying, hey, good job, let's keep trying, let's keep trying, let's keep going, right? Like positive affirmations, you're not telling them what to do. You're just telling them, hey, like great work, great job, let's keep going, let's keep going. Even if they're not doing a great job, when somebody comes up to you and like imagine, right, you know, you're in the net and, and somebody comes up to you and tells you, hey, uh, you know, you should probably be doing this. Most of the time you're going to take it the wrong way. Right. Like most of the time you're going to take it like, what does he think? He knows what's best for me. Like he thinks he knows better like this and that. It doesn't sit well with people when you're bossy. Um, and that leads into my third uh, my third point for this is bail them out. And if your team is getting shelled, they need you to be there for them. And oftentimes, like I mentioned, we want to control everything and everyone on the ice. But the best way to influence other people's actions and their emotions um is to emerge as a leader, or, or and to emerge as a leader, is to simply just be there for them when they need you most. That support you're giving them, both physically and verbally, you know, not telling them what to do, will help you gain just an absolutely massive amount of respect from them. And oftentimes, as goalies, we want to be in control of everyone's actions. And I always say, you focus on your actions first, 
build that trust. And then eventually those guys will actually come to you and ask what they should have done or what they should be doing, right? In the room when you speak up, guys will actually have respect for you and listen to your recommendation if you bail them out. And I always say this, talk is cheap. And it's not just a cliche, it really is. And out of all my years playing hockey, the best way to emerge as a leader, um, have guys listen and look up to you, is to not try and correct every single mistake they make. They, they know they're making mistakes. You know, they know they're getting hemmed in the zone. And your job as a goalie is not to be the coach, right? It's different when you're on the ice. You're like, hey, short side, hey, far side, hey, guy up top. You're yelling coverage. Oh, reverse, reverse. You're yelling plays to help them, to support them during the play, right? You're not being the coach. Your job is to keep pucks out of the net and then be there for them when they make mistakes. And if you bail them out over and over again, that's the most inspiring thing in all of sports, not just hockey. It builds trust, that builds chemistry, that builds a willingness to make corrections and do more for the people around you, including yourself. And it truly builds a bond between you and your teammates that in any situation, no matter how bad things get, as long as you guys stick together, you'll be able to get out of the thick of it. So like I said, focus on bailing them out and doing your job. Save saying something for in between periods at, at, the, at the most. But you need to focus on doing your job first, right? If you're there for them and support them in their time of need and the time they need you most, now you've held up your end of the game. And now you actually have leverage when you go into the room to say, hey, boys, don't worry about what happened. I got your back. I think if I think if we get into that situation, we should just get it off the glass or ice it. What do you guys think that, uh, you know, what do you guys want to do that would help us avoid that again? And if you don't do your job, you have zero leverage. Like if you're getting hemmed in the zone and you're getting scored on too, you walking in the room isn't gonna, and saying things isn't going to make anybody feel better. Everybody's not doing their job. You're in no position to speak up and, and try to be the leader in a situation where you have not emerged as a leader yet. It will only annoy them. It will only break trust. It will only lead to quite the opposite results from what you hope for. So remember, focus on you and your job. Bail them out and your actions will help you emerge as a leader. And then wait for the right time to bring up an open discussion rather than trying to be the boss. Leaders bring out the best in other people. Leaders don't boss people around and say, I know what's best, especially when you're not holding up your end of the leadership role. There's nothing that makes people more sour when people try to verbally be leaders on a team when they haven't been a leader on the ice. Just leads to disaster, neglect, and uh, doesn't work. So I, I actually just had a whole conversation with uh, one of our mentorship students about, how, uh, you know, how can you be a leader without getting under people's spin? How do you be the right leader? You know, he, he, he said to me, hey, you know, my D are bad and they keep, and they, I'm telling them to do this, but they're not doing it. Well, if you're getting scored on, both of you guys are getting upset and now you're just butting heads, right? You as a goalie need to take the higher um, you know, you have, you have to be higher than that. You have to be above that. Your job, whether the D takes away the pass, is to stop the puck. Your job, anytime the puck goes in the net, you need to take pride in that. That's not everybody else's fault on the ice, right? And, and that's a really important fact to understand is the goals against column 
is in your stat column and the team stat column, not individual guys. And goals against is from a whole year thing, right? So I would even just say goals against, it's your stat, right? Guys on your team don't necessarily take pride in goals against. You need to take pride in that stat. And as soon as you start depending on other people for that stat, you're in a really bad situation. Because whatever level you guys are at, it's just the way it is. Only 5% of kids will move on to the next level. It's just the numbers. It's just the way it is. There's so many kids that plays hockey. And what do you think 95% of the kids are saying? 95% of the kids are blaming people, saying this guy's not doing this, you're not doing that, you're not getting the puck out, we're getting a hemmed in our zone too long, it's your fault. No. Even if it is their fault, that's not how winners think. That's not how the 5% of people think. And that's why I'm so passionate about this concept of being team-focused, team-centric-focused. Be there for them. Be there for them. Right? That's your job. Your job is to bail them out when they fail. Hockey's a game of mistakes. You need to be there for them when they need you most. And if you do that, you'll emerge as a leader, and, and it's contagious. So, Steph, I hope that answers the question. And if anyone has any other questions or concerns regarding the topic, you know, you can hit me up directly. But I hope I've stated my case on the issue, right? I've gone to dozens of championships, won dozens, dozens of, tons of accolades. And the way I got there was being a silent leader, being what we call the glue on hockey teams, being the guy willing to go above and beyond for my teammates, bail them out have their back time and time again, that brings teams together. It brings out the best in other players around you. And it's what championship teams are made of. When leaders lead by example and don't ask for anything in return and do whatever it takes to win and support the team around you, your teammates around you, whenever you focus on your teammates and team-oriented goals, I, I honestly, I don't know what it is about hockey, but the hockey gods time and time again bless those guys. They blessed me. It's an energy thing, and it's the most powerful and inspiring act in all of hockey that leads to championships and accolades without having to focus on that stuff specifically. You know, I'm starting to ramble a bit, but I hope you guys are getting value, and I'm very, very passionate about this topic. It's literally been a huge secret to my success for a long time, and as I continue with my journey, and I know if you guys change your mindset and use this energy tactic to your advantage, it'll help you too. So first and foremost, if you want culture to change, if you want things to change inside a room, if you want people to start caring about their mistakes and everything, you have to start leading by example first. I, I always, it, probably every team you ever go to in the history of your life, you're going to hear this idea of, oh, we're trying to change the culture. We want to change the culture. Talk is cheap, boy. And I'll tell you that for free. And it all starts with action and execution, and it all starts with one person, right? That's how you get your team to care, and that's how you get them to, if you're out there getting shelled and you're bailing them out and you're winning games without them and you're, you're coming close to winning games and you're clearly the, you know, the separating factor, guys are going to clue in. They're going to be like, man, Steph is really playing hard for us. I want to play hard for him. That kind of energy is so contagious, it's why teams that don't that it's why teams overachieve. It's why players overachieve. It's because they feed off of that good energy, that energy of I'm there for you, dude. Or girls. 
I'm there for you. I got your back no matter what. You don't even have to ask. I'm there to support you. And that leads to other people doing more for you. It leads to better results within you because you're focusing on yourself. And then your team starts to rally around your inspiring, magical efforts of supporting them. And they buy into what you're doing. They buy into let's do this for each other. And that's the kind of glue that brings teams together to stop getting hemmed in. And even when you get hemmed in, you can have an open conversation with it in the room when everything's all said and done. People come to you for advice. Say, hey, Steph, you, you, you did really good on that hem play. Like, what do you think we should do? You cannot force leadership. I hate it. I hate it so much. And, and, and I, and I just seen it. Like I, I've been on a lot of teams. I'm not 50 years old, but I am in pro hockey now. And I've been a lot of different dressing rooms, including the ECHL. And I seen leadership styles. And honestly, the best leadership styles I ever see are when guys just go out there and do it by example, they put the team on their back and everybody rallies around that effort. Nobody needs to say anything. It's such a nonverbal like I, time and time again, a nonverbal leadership style trumps ver, like total verbal. Unless you're a role guy on the team and you're like the captain and you're, ver, you're verbal, but you're still going out there and doing your role. You're hitting guys, you're getting energy. That's your role. If you're not doing your role, you can't be the leader. You can't be. Don't force being the leader. It's only going to lead to neglect and it's going to lead to worse results. So my biggest recommendation is Focus on yourself. Don't give them any recommendations during the play. Just support them when you're under duress. Support them physically by bailing them out and stopping pucks. That's your job. Do your job. And then emotionally be like, hey, guys, let's let's keep working. We're going to get this puck out. Like, I got your back. I got your back. When you get that, that's such a powerful feeling within a squad. It's huge, man. So huge. So I'm, I'm big. I might do a whole podcast on that energy topic because it's huge and I'm glad you brought it up, but that's the best way to emerge as a leader and to have guys actually listen to you. If you do it during the play, they're not going to listen. They're tired. They're frustrated. They know they're making mistakes and you trying to be the coach on the ice while they're trying to get the puck out isn't helping. They're trying to figure out ways to, to get rid of the issue too. So, uh, that would be my answer, Stefan. And, uh, for anybody that has any other questions about that, um, definitely hit me up directly and I'd be happy to provide more info. Maybe I'll make a video or a podcast on that. Cause I'm so passionate about that kind of leadership style and that kind of energy as goalies. We want to control everything. We just can't. And, and that's just the way it is. So you just got to constantly, it's a distraction in my opinion, and you just got to focus on doing your job. You're not the coach. Okay. Um, but for now, let's move on to our next question. Hey, Mike, it's uh, Ethan Farron-Baker from Scarsdale, New York. I'm 15 years old. Um, how did you handle diversity um, growing up? Like, if there was another goal involved, like, if you had a toxic relationship, how would you handle it? Ethan, my first ever goalie hacks mentorship student um, who just signed at Trinity Pauling Prep School in the Founders League, one of the best schools in the country. Just wanted to give him a little shout out. Um, because he's come so far in his development and, and really bought into everything I've told him and showed him. And his results speak for themselves now. So congrats, Ethan. Well-deserved, man. You, you earned that all on your own. Um, you got to go out there and fight your own battles. But let's keep on keeping on, buddy. One milestone down and uh, 100 to go, right? But uh, thank you for the question. And I appreciate you sending something in. So I'm going to guess you mean adversity in your question 
And how did I deal with adversity and competition growing up with other goalies? And Ethan, that's a great question, you know, because goaltending just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And at some point in your career, um, if not every year you play now, there's going to be good quality goalies you're playing with. And oftentimes it's going to be competitive, right? And I think that's the biggest thing I did growing up was just be a good teammate and, and kill them with kindness, right? It's very easy to fall into this trap of me versus you. And, and we're competing so we can't be friends. Like, no, no, that's, that's wrong. And it's absolutely not the right notion, right? It's not the right way to approach it. Um, you see it from the NHL all the way down. Goalie partners being buddies even through... You know, even though everyone is committing for ice and jobs, you see it. Because how you treat the other goalies doesn't determine your results on the ice. It doesn't. So you can be a good person and still get lots of minutes. In fact, those are the guys that typically do well in the goalie world. When you're mean to the other goalie or are deliberate in developing a toxic relationship with the other goalie, it's actually a huge sign of weakness. And I actually thrive off that in those situations because when you're toxic to me or mean to me it means you're threatened by me and you're projecting that insecurity on me that you don't think you can beat me straight up you know and I'll, and I'll give you an example when I was at Tri-Cities camp in the USHL um, the other goalie who was already who was already coming back his sign he broke his collarbone or something he ended up going to Ohio State and he didn't like me at all he didn't talk to me he didn't shake my hand I'd play unreal he wouldn't he would he would put his hand down, wouldn't give me props. And I knew that I was, I was, I was like, yes, like, you know what? I didn't say a word to him to make him upset. I could just tell that, like I said, it's a sign of weakness. It's a sign that you feel threatened by me. And that gives me energy that you're scared of me, that you're scared that I'm better than you. It, it puts me up, honestly. And I don't like when there's toxic relationships. My whole career, I always had great relationships with my other goalie partners. I was always nice to them, supported them. When they had a good game, I'd say, hey, man, great game. If they had a bad game, I'd be there to support them like, they, like, hey, man, don't worry about it. You'll get them next time. You had some great saves today. Right? Similar to Steph's question above, the best leaders in hockey are the ones that support everyone on the team and don't show any signs of weakness because you might feel threatened or you might be competing. If you're comfortable with who you are, what your identity is, how good you are, and what you're capable of, you don't need to be toxic. You don't need to be mean to the other guy. How he plays doesn't determine how you play because if you have confidence in um, you, you, you know when you hit the ice, if you just be Ethan, right, if you just be you, that you'll do just fine. You'll still be able to beat anyone out. That's the self-confidence you need. I had that. I always took pride in having healthy relationships with the other goalies because it brings out the best in both you guys. You know, when you're just comfortable with whoever's playing, you want things to go well for the team. That's what your jobs are. Whoever gets the nod, your job is to play hard for the team and help the team win. Team focused goals all the time. Like I said, whenever you do right by the people around you and you play hard for the people around you and not to just beat the other guy. The hockey, the hockey gods bless that energy, man, and good things will happen to you. So know who you are, know what makes you good, and you have the self-awareness that you don't need to engage that ego. You can, you, you, know, um, you can let their ego be aggressive without engaging it. The hockey gods will punish people like that. It always happens. I don't know why. It's not even like a karma thing. 
It's the type of mental energy and mental space you put yourself in and it leads you to being distracted and leads you to focusing on the wrong things. Leads to distractions. So number one, kill them with kindness. Be kind, be supportive, and just be a good teammate whenever they get the nod and they will start, um, you know, um, be nice. Don't engage the ego, number two. And I heard this from Jay-Z actually once, and it's something I've done for a long time. If, if you know who you are and what you're, what, you know, what, you're, what you're capable of and what your identity is, then you don't need to say it or anything. Or you don't need to prove it to anyone who you are or how good you are. You let your play do the talking. Like I said, talk is cheap. And eventually they will quiet down because you're not engaging their ego at all. You're just focusing on the team and helping the team win night in and out. And you're not focusing on beating them or proving to them that you're better. Your actions, focus your actions and attention on the things that will make you good on the ice. And have faith in your identity that will propel you to victory night in and out. And number three, even if they persist with bad attitudes, just ignore them. right? Don't engage, as I mentioned above. Guys like that don't go anywhere. right? It's a huge distraction to not only you but the team. And even though it's hard to go through and they're, and they're trying to get you off your game, you need to fight to focus on the right things, even though they're not. You can't let them distract you. And, and just focus on being you. Eventually, those guys get weeded out as a cancer on the team. And eventually, they get cut or released. Or they eventually don't move on to the next level. But unfortunately, this happens more than it should. And you just need to be committed to the team and, and sticking to your identity through thick and thin and and I promise you the hockey gods will bless you with good results. I, I promise you. So, Ethan, I hope that answers your question. Great question, by the way. And just be kind and supportive and focus on yourself and uh, the team-oriented goals of helping the team win and good things will happen. Have the self-awareness. Know who you are. Know what your identity is. Their results in the ice do not dictate your focus or your results. You just focus on yourself and, and good things will happen. All right? Um, but for now, let's jump into our third question of the day. Hey, it's Matt Lauren from Neurochrome, New York. Just wondering, what do you think the best way to get better as a goalie is without any access to ice? Matt, thank you for your question, buddy. Appreciate you sending it in. And Matt is a longtime mentorship student member uh, right from the start as well. So shout out to Matt for supporting me in my work for so long now. Um, good luck this year, buddy. But um, what is the best... A way to get better when you don't have access to ice right and there are a few things I would say number one for starters obviously doing off ice work like getting in the gym helps a ton but you guys need to be careful what you're doing in the gym or, or just running right like it needs to be goalie specific in my opinion and not necessarily mimicking specific goalie motions but exercises and workouts that will specifically benefit you on the ice so obviously I'm not a strength and conditioning coach, but I've been doing off-ice training for over 15 years now that you start to figure out what works and what doesn't, and it's a huge thing, um, what I promote on my page, right? Nobody's got the answers, but that's why I have some hacks for you guys today. And, and the three biggest concepts when it comes to off-ice training are these three things. A, eccentric strength. And ex eccentric strength refers to tension being applied to a muscle as it lengthens, Right? So when you're going down in your crouch, your quad muscles are lengthening. So when you have your hands out in front of you and they're moving, the muscle is lengthening, right? When you're dropping your hands or, or, or pulling them up, right? 
eccentric strength is is crazy undervalued in goalie training because for starters it's not high impact training it's slow steady and really gets your body comfortable with that that time under tension while your muscles are lengthening that strength as your muscles are lengthening right in a game we aren't standing still and we aren't being still in our crouch either you know so eccentric strength works on the strength in between the ranges when the muscles is fully contracted versus when it's at rest right and that lengthening in between allows you to have more control through your range of motion and significantly increases your stamina inside all those ranges of motion. So your arms can slowly come down at the pace you want and accurately as possible over and over again. You can go into your crouch slow and low and you have more control. You can be more accurate more often, right? If you train that range of motion to be strong in between. And this is a huge concept to slow the game down and can simply be applied to your workouts by doing slow down against resistance, uh, either upper or lower body. So three to five seconds down in squats, in shoulder raises, anything really, even your core. And you can work eccentric strength, which significantly increases your control um, you know, in your core as well, as I mentioned. B, isometric strength. Isometric exercises are specific contractions of a particular muscle or group of muscles, right? So during isometric exercises, the muscle doesn't noticeably change length and the affected joint doesn't move. Isometric exercises have been known to also help maintain strength. So now isometric strength, and as I mentioned in the definition, isometric strength is, a, is defined when you're in a static activated state, contracted state. Meaning when you go down into a squat and hold a squat in place for three to five seconds or when you do a shoulder raise and you hold a static position at the peak point of the exercise. Um, so if you were doing shoulder raise, you wouldn't be holding it at rest, right? You would be holding it when the muscle groups were fully contracted, like raised up above you uh, or in front of you with dumbbells, right? And as you can probably already tell, isometric strength is an enormous, enormous part of goaltending and I can't stress this enough. Uh, it's super low impact training because you're not hammering your joints. You're you're holding certain positions at in exercises, and it truly trains you for what you're going to go through on the ice. Holding a squat position when you're in a crouch, holding your arms out in front of you while you play and are attacking the puck. Isometric, uh, isometric training is a super just easy to is easy to understand. And I know a ton of you guys don't do this type of training, and it's it's definitely hurting your game big time. We avoid it because it's kind of difficult. It's hard. Like if you do a wall set, right? That's isometric training. You need to start working in static holds at the peak of your exercises, um, you know, when you train sometimes. to so train your body to be strong under that time, under tension when you play. And this will help you be more solid when you're fresh, be more solid once you get tired, and you're training your body for, for the same challenges you're going to face on the ice when the time comes and, and you get hemmed in your zone, for example. Or there's a big scrum in front of the net. The highest percentage times you get scored on, really, you'll be ready for those challenges. So whether you're doing lower body, upper body, or core work, simply adding in a three to five second hold at the peak of your exercise or when the muscle is fully contracted will build that isometric strength big time and will significantly increase your results on the ice. And the last off-ice concept, uh, off-ice exercise concept, is plyometric strength. And plyometrics, also known as jump training or plyos, are exercises in which muscles exert maximum force in short intervals of time with the goal of increasing power, 
right? So this is obviously the cherry on top, and you can't be a goalie unless you're explosive as well, right? If you're not explosive in your movement, you're, you're going to be slow on the ice. You're, you're not going to save pucks. You're not going to beat passes. You're not going to be able to make desperation saves on broken plays when you have to go outside the box, right? Plyometrics, I, I, I really is really what brings all of goaltending together and is typically the most common part of training uh, athletes focus on. And it's super important for a reason, right? Hockey is fast, it's quick, it's explosive, and you need to be able to be explosive as well to keep up with the game. Plyometric exercises are when you do jump squats, single leg squat jumps, or box jumps, or when you do weighted squats, popping up really quickly is a plyometric strength, right? Or when you do shoulder lifts, popping your arms up as quickly as possible is upper body plyometric strength. Or when you do like uh, clap push-ups, right? You're coming off the ground, you're uh, jumping push-ups. Or when you do core exercises, contracting together as quickly as possible like suitcases, right? And when you have those short, hard max bursts of muscle contractions, that's what plyometric exercises are. That's how you strengthen strengthen the fast twitch muscles, as as they are called, and it's super imperative to goaltending as well. So there is no tempo or no timing uh, when you do power exercises. It's all about contracting as quickly as possible, as hard as possible, into direction with the most resistance to work on your speed and power through that range of motion, right? Um, so as you can see, all three of these concepts are super important. You can't neglect one and focus solely on the others, Um if you want to be a good goaltender, they all work in a trifecta. Um, it's it's a feedback loop, right? And, all, and they all need to be worked on at some point to increase your performance significantly on the ice. And I guarantee if you're neglecting one of these concepts in your workouts right now, upper, lower, or in your core, it's definitely severely affecting your performance. And you need to either start training in its entirety because off-ice training is a huge way to get an edge over over everyone on the ice. Um, but if you are training, finding a balance between these three concepts can can change your game dramatically. And I found that balance when I was 17 years old. And it's been a huge secret of mine for a long time now, 10 years, 11 years. Um, so long-winded answer, but necessary to put that out there. I'm sure a lot of you guys have, have heard me talk about the concepts before already on my page. But I'm glad you asked that, Matt. So thank you. Um, but the second thing you could do off ice uh, is vision or brain training. It can either be using a modality or some hand-eye work for free using some cheaper training tools. And the first type of brain training I would recommend is working on your focus. Focus, focus, focus. And you can do that by going to briancane.com slash cgrid. And if you haven't heard of concentration grids yet, they are phenomenal and can be used to deliberately train your focus to get ready for game time. You basically, during a game, have 30, 60 second spurts in zone play about 10 to 15 times each period. So if you care about your training enough, if you care about your focus and being ready for the challenges that lie ahead of you, go do that with concentration grids. Mimic a game. Do a 30, 60 second grids, one minute rest, in between 10 to 15 times, take a 5, 10, 15 minute rest, whatever length your intermission is or or whatever length your period is, and you deliberately train your focus to do these concentration grids as if you were practicing for game time. And Brian Kane in my podcast said he did this with George St. Pierre. He does this with all his athletes. Mimic the type of focus intervals you're going to need in a game and literally practice it. And it's crazy, honestly. Like in this day and age, our phones are killing us, man. And, and I don't know about you guys, but when I go to the rink, I shut it off, right? It's murdering our focus. Brutal. 
Like even I noticed from when I was a kid, our attention span. Uh, well, personally, I noticed from when I kid, but I was doing some research, and I don't know if you guys heard, but our attention span as humans is now seven seconds. And little, uh, 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 you know, and little did you guys know, I'm sure that's shorter than a goldfish's attention span now of eight seconds. Our phones are killing us. They're killing us. Focus training is, is so important more now than ever to combat our cell phones. Um, and even on game days, I would be really careful with how much you use your cell phone, how many decisions you're making, right? With technology, there's all these things being put in front of our eyes. And throughout a day, we're, we're using mental energy by constantly having to make these decisions, right? So many decisions. So turn off notifications, even entire game days, just shut it off. Like shut off notifications, put it on airplane mode all day. Just use it for music. Like you don't need to be hacking around and, and thinking about everything, right? Like you don't need it. It wastes your focus. Your, your focus is a currency and you need to start thinking of it like that, right? Uh, save your currency, save your money for game time. That's why I'm a huge believer in the nap because the nap refreshes your focus. It refreshes your capacity. Um, so just remember the phones are killing us. Eliminate the phones big time, but also you can go train your focus to be longer now considering it's getting shorter, right? This is how we're going to combat our cell phones. Concentration grids are completely free of charge. But number two would be visual brain training modalities. And my favorite one by far is neuro tracking. You guys know that. And for specific reasons though, this software is the most scientifically proven tool on the planet to increase your performance on the ice. Most studies done by any software, any product on the planet. And you guys might have seen the program on my story on my page, but it's scientifically very deliberate in what it accomplishes in terms of increasing performance. It helps you build your working memory, meaning when you look up ice and take a mental picture, that mental picture will be clearer, more accurate, and will stick in your head longer. It helps you process information faster, meaning you'll think quicker, more accurately, more often to avoid hiccups and reduce errors on the ice. It increases your peripheral range, meaning you will pick up more information in your peripheral vision. In turn, in turn it significantly increases your hockey IQ because you can take in more information at a glance. If you could take in more information, you can do more with that information, right? It helps with tracking multiple objects, which is essential for goaltenders when you're out there trying to follow the puck and five are the targets in your peripherals. This program deliberately does that. And lastly, it works on your focus. Like the concentration grids, the time of each trial can be adjusted in a neural tracker from four seconds to eight seconds, all the way up to a minute plus if you want. And I have full customization functionality and goalie hacks protocols are coming to the market. Um, but that's the point. It works on how long you can focus on objects and stay under that focus without losing them and losing focus. And obviously, I cannot say enough about this program. It's, it's absolutely the best on the market, hands down by far. The most scientifically proven product, and they've been in the business for 20 years now. Longer than any visual brain training tool out there. I don't care what anyone says. And, and maybe I'm being arrogant or stubborn, right? But the results don't lie. The science doesn't lie. Their tenure in the business doesn't lie. 500,000 users worldwide used by every major sports league in the world does not lie. And obviously, full disclosure, I have a partnership with them. But they didn't come to me. I don't know if you guys realize. They, did, they didn't come to me. I went to them. I asked to be a partner because I studied the whole market. And they are the leader in the marketplace by far. 
So what a privilege it is to be partnered with such a great company, a great product and prestigious brand. And I've had an incredibly positive experience with it. And so have so many other uh, goalies now uh, since I've started my partnership with them. And I partner with them because I want to get this product into your hands to help you guys increase your performance dramatically as well. So that would be my biggest suggestion in terms of a paid product. It's cheaper than everything else. You can take it and access it anywhere with an internet connection, a laptop, and you can do it as often as you want. You can't beat that for the price it's at. And the links are in the show notes if you guys want to purchase it or hit me up directly for more information. Um, Matt is actually a user of the product as well, so it's fitting um, you know, during this question. But uh, I started using it my sophomore year at UVM. And um, there is no... It's not a surprise that I got nominated for the Mike Richter Award, top 10 goalie in Division One hockey that season. I led the country for, for four or five months, number one, after using this software. So it works. It's just a matter of do you, do you want to give it a try? And so I, I really recommend you guys be open to using these modalities, right? Um, and lastly, there are other relatively cheap modalities you can use, such as like swivel vision glasses, Hico sticks, blurry glasses to work on your vision contrast sensitivity. Um, or you can go to my YouTube page and get my completely free vision warm-up exercises that significantly increase your vision capabilities and tracking as well. My YouTube page. Um, but I'm starting to ramble. Like, obviously, you know, you know me, I like to ramble, but uh, just trying to get the message to you guys. But I've given you guys advice on off-ice work from head to toe. How do you slow the game down physically as well as neurologically? Right, Both can help you shave those quarter seconds off your reaction time and speed to make you faster on both fronts. And combining both of these types of office of off-ice work is imperative to really get a true edge over the, com- the competition these days. You got to be looking where a lot of people aren't, right? Like, and a lot of people right now are starting to get into this. I was looking at this stuff eight years ago. I knew it was the next thing before anybody did it. I was like, this is the next thing. There's only so much you can do on the physical side. And uh, with NeuroTracker and, and, and all these other things, um, you can make yourself neurologically quicker. So you're getting faster on the neurological side in your brain. You're making those connections quicker and more efficient. And you're getting quicker on the physical side. When you combine both of them, that is a huge edge. Huge edge. So Matt, thank you for the question. I'm very passionate um, about these concepts as they've helped me get to the next level. They've helped me get an edge over everybody for years. And I know they'll help you all too. Um, if you give them a chance and try them out. But for now, let's get into our last and final question of the day. Hey, what's up, Mike? Uh, this is like a two-part question, I guess. What is the biggest adversity you've ever faced in your career and how did you overcome it? And what is like the luckiest bounce ever to happen in your career? And how did you use it to propel your career uh forward thank you for featuring my question awesome and thank you shay for your question appreciated buddy would be happy to answer that so um shay is also a a mentorship inner circle member and and he's seeing uh, significant results so um thank you shay um but what is the biggest adversity i've ever faced in my career and how did i overcome it and dude i'm so happy you asked this i love talking about adversity because honestly Every single person who's ever played the game of hockey or done anything in their lives at all has faced adversity in some way, shape, or form. That's why you see this concept now. Everybody's talking about this concept of resilience and how powerful resilience is, right? Everyone's challenges are different. 
Everyone's adversity is different. You just need to know how to recognize it when it comes and identify your specific adversity and challenges and stop looking at the people around you. Going left, right, up, down. How well are they doing? Who's talking to them? Focus on you and your challenges and problems and overcome those and be laser focused, committed to the pursuit of overcoming your own. Don't worry about anybody around you. I wasn't mad because I didn't go to the NHL at 18 and Carey Price did. I had my own challenges to face. And I could go and talk about, oh, well, I had these injuries and they were tough. Like, yeah, I had almost five career ending injuries during my entire career, during my 23 year long career now. Five of them. And I know a lot of you guys have gone through that stuff too, but that's not what I want to talk about today. Um, Maybe another time. But for this question from Shay, I want to talk about the biggest adversity I ever faced in my career. And I still to this day. And that was being small in an era where they only accepted and took bigger goaltenders. And guys, it, it, it took me up until the beginning of high school to break five feet. You guys want to talk about size issues. You have no idea what you're talking about. I'm going to be very blunt here and quite frankly, a little rude and hopefully to give you guys a wake up call here, this little segment. I have guys that are 5, 10 and 14 years old telling me they're too small and that they're, they're not tall enough. Guys, size does matter. I would be lying if I didn't say that, but only so much. What matters is how many pucks you stop. How many games you win. How well your results are compared to the other goalies in your league and your age group around the world. Results matter the most. Not size. But my size. That was the biggest uh, adversity I ever faced in my entire career out of anything I've ever gone through with getting to the next level. And, And proving people my size didn't matter still to this day. So we're going to dive into it a bit here. And I want to start off with this, and it's a huge quote I live by. The obstacle is the way. The obstacle is the way. Repeat after me. The obstacle is the way. And this is actually a book written by Ryan Holiday. I highly recommend it. You can uh, find the links in the show notes um, uh, in the description of this, of this episode um, on wherever you listen to podcasts. But to give a better idea of what this is and what it means... I'll just take a quote from a write-up article posted on psychologytoday.com online. Quote, This is a notion that the obstacles that prevent us from achieving our goals can be used and in some cases may even be necessary to achieve those very goals. Seems not just, you know, Pollyanna-like, but it also paradoxical, right? If an obstacle lies in our way, how can it possibly be used to achieve our goal? And the answer may be different depending on the obstacle itself. Sometimes, for example, failure itself is a benefit. Failure that forces us to pursue an alternative path we wouldn't have otherwise considered, but that turns out to be the best way, if not sometimes the only way, to achieve a goal. End quote. Wow. Wow. I mean, holy swear words here. Like, I love this, and I want to break it down right now because I have a feeling this will be the key to unlocking yourself in your career right now. I'm going to go back to that quote from above throughout this section, but the biggest adversity I ever faced in my career was my size. I knew that if I didn't have as good of numbers as guys taller than me, they would take them. They wouldn't take me. I knew if I didn't win as many games as the guys taller than me, they wouldn't take me. 
I knew if I was slower, they wouldn't take me. I knew if I wasn't without question, number one, everywhere I played, no one was going to be willing to take a chance on me. I just knew it. And I set that in my mind a long time ago when I got overlooked in the OHL draft at 15 years old, 12 years ago. I needed to be so good. I needed to have such better numbers. I needed to be so good. I needed to have just such better numbers. So many more wins. So many more accolades. So many more number one spots than a guy taller. That I couldn't afford to not be the best anywhere I went. Or they just were going to find some excuse to not take me. Even in the face of being number one. Over and over again. They still didn't take me. Right? Like you heard in the, in the podcast last week. I was literally wrecking people's lives. The Toronto Marlies hated me. The top minor hockey organization, arguably all of Canada, handpicked because I would torture those guys with controlling the rate of play and not letting them score. And I beat them. I totally upset them plenty of times. And had a lot of fun doing it. And and that's what hockey's really about is, is one, having fun. But back to the quote, the obstacle was the way for me. Because I knew my obstacle was to be number one or fail, I played like my back was against the wall with no other options. I trained like that. I did everything necessary to make sure when I hit the ice, I was just undoubtedly going to beat you and be number one in the standings for my team and goalie rankings. That obstacle of being too small made me focus on my strengths and double down on those things. Not just be good, not just be great, be the best at those things during my time. Have the best positioning. Station area while moving. Be the fastest. Laterally and depth wise. So no matter where you move the puck. I would get there before it got there. No matter if it was a shot or a backdoor play. I trained myself to be fast enough to challenge on shots. Be patient enough to react. And stay on my feet as long as possible. And if you pass it backdoor. I'd still get there. 2 on 0. 3 on 0. Be the best at reading plays. Be the best at playing the puck. Be the most conditioned on the ice. Have the best rebound control. The best reaction speed so I never get beat on a straight-up shot. The best at breakaways so I'd always come up big for my team. Be the best. Literate everything I could control other than my size. In focusing on that, on what I was good at, and not focusing on something I couldn't control, which was my side, led me to find the reaction speed drill to, fo- to slow the game down for me. It led me to the VO2 drill. It led me to the idea of amygdala hijacking and, and using that concept to my advantage to slow the game down for me. It led me to find the eccentric and isometric off-ice training for my upper and lower body to slow the game down for me. It led me to attacking with my hands all the time. This concept of if you can get closer to the puck, you can play bigger, even if you aren't bigger. The obstacle I had forced me to be so fast with such good reads, with, with strong patience, with such solid positioning, and to develop such a strong compete level that that was in fact exactly what coaches at the next level wanted to see in order to have faith in betting on me and giving me a shot. The obstacle led me to developing all of these goalie hacks you know today. The obstacle of my size led me to becoming an absolute machine that would just demoralize teams and people because I gave you nothing and I fought for everything every single night. And they knew when they were going to play me. They were in for a night of blood, sweat, and tears, missing teeth, and literal battle to the death 
every night people played me. And that's the goalie I became. From people spitting in my face for 16 years, telling me I'd never amount to nothing. Literally spitting in my face. 16 years, I never said a word back to them. I just went harder and worked smarter than them and found the things that would allow me to excel over everyone else and double down on those things. Reinvented the game. Reinvented myself so that no one could beat me unless it was a broken play or a bad rebound and even then work on getting the bad rebounds. They'd have to take three, four whacks to put in on me, screaming with three guys. I always found a solution to what teams threw at me because the obstacle turned me into a machine that was relentless and resilient. And if you develop that relentlessness and resilience in discovering and reinventing the game to find ways you can get an edge over shooters day in and day out for your whole career, well, I promise you, the obstacles you face are the way. And they will put you down a road that forces you to become exactly what coaches at the next level want to see despite your adversity and challenges you face in your life. My obstacle, the biggest adversity I ever faced in my career is the reason I ever got to pro hockey. It's the reason I ever won championships and accolades and have been to the finals in 10 league appearances. My obstacle forced me to become what you see today and what quite literally defined my whole career. It's why you guys look up to me, to give you advice. And I'll tell you here and now on record, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that because I never would have became the person you know and see today that inspired to give back because I've been able to defy the odds. I wouldn't be as tenacious. I wouldn't be as resilient, as relentless in my pursuit of excellence and ignorance of accepting failure if I wasn't treated like that. If my circumstances weren't like this. And I hope that my story can continue to inspire you guys to overcome your challenges that you face in your journeys wherever you are right now. Because I'll tell you right now, the obstacle is the way. Don't shy away from it. Find a way around it or find a way through it like I did. The challenges you face and the obstacles you face right now will define your identity and your career and what you become one day. So don't accept your challenges. Be relentless in the pursuit of finding ways to overcome your challenges. And I promise one day those moments will define you and you'll look back and be proud of everything you did. Which now leads me into Shay's second part of the question. What was the biggest bounce I ever got? And quite frankly, that's easy for me to say. And it came at the same moment when I was 16, after I got overlooked in the OHL draft, and I started playing with a much bigger chip on my shoulder to definitively and significantly get ahead of everyone. I'd always been a pretty, I'd always been at the top of my age group, but that gap was not wide enough, clearly. And I didn't just want to be the best, I wanted to widen that gap. As far as the eye could see. I wasn't okay with just being the best anymore. I wanted that gap so wide. No one could tell me otherwise or they look stupid. So what was the biggest bounce I ever got? The biggest bounce I ever got 
was playing in 13 junior games at 16 years old and playing for now past, uh, God rest his soul, Hall of Famer Dale Howarchuk. I tried out for three junior teams in the spring and sucked because I wasn't prepared. And um, I was sulking a bit, to be honest. And luckily, I had a connection with my, my midget coach on the Orangeville Crushers in the OJHL, and that's how I got an AP spot with Dale Howarchuk's Orangeville team because I had that connection. I lucked out. But what I didn't luck out was for four months, I said, you know what? Maybe I'm not as good as I think. I got to widen that gap significantly if I want to be ready for junior A. Those tryouts were a wake-up call. Nobody ever talks about how many tryouts you get cut from. I just told you, three. Most kids would quit. I just use it as an experience of, okay, that's the level I need to get to. I got a lot of work to do. So for four months, I went to every single practice they had at the beginning of the year. Everyone I could attend. So three days a week, I would go to school at 7.45 a.m., head to Orangeville and take a nap in the car, one hour drive at 3.30, school all day, go to class. I went to every class. Rush to get dressed for practice because I'd always get there relatively late. I would barely have a stall because it was packed room. Practice with the junior team. Get snuffed by the other goalies who would take all the shots at practice because they saw me as a threat. Stay and do extra work after practice, right? Because I wouldn't get a lot during because they didn't like me because I was a threat to them. Rush to get undressed. Drive an hour to Toronto. Practice with my midget team. Then drive back to Mississauga 40 minutes. Rush to get dressed and have a goalie training private session in the shooting range from 9.30 to 10 o'clock at night. Go home, eat, and go to sleep. Barely did any of my homework back then because I, 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 I had zero time. I was so committed to being ready to play at that level. But mind you, keep this in mind, I was, I was relatively good at school. And I still managed to get B's and I never missed any class despite my hectic schedule. I never missed school and did well in school and fought tooth and nail every day to be considered to get a game, to get up to speed. So they would give me a game in junior, right? So the best bounce I ever got came four months after I had been battling my butt off every day, every week, annihilating my binget league. One goal games all every single game. One goal, shutout, one goal, shutout. Improving to the coaches in practice at those Orangeville uh, practices that I could play a game and not just play, win at the junior level. Sure enough, at the end of practice one day, this was my big bounce. The owner was watching me play rebound with the, with the other players, the top shooters on their, on their team. And it absolutely shut them out and robbed them 10-0 in a game of rebound, playing out of my mind. I actually think we played two, and I shut them out in two straight games. And this was right around the time where I started to play just as good, if not better in practice, than the other goalies. I took pride in stopping more pucks than them who never gave me any time in the net, right? And the owner went to Dale Howarchuk and convinced him I was ready. And uh, the following weekend, they gave me my first start against the, the Toronto Junior Red Wings where Zach Hyman was on that team and they were second place in the league at the time. We weren't. We were middle of the pack. And I knew that this was finally my one shot I'd been waiting my entire life for, really. My entire life, I, everything I ever did all came down to executing in this moment. 
And all I did was follow my routines. I trusted my training. I followed my anchors and my cues. And I'd already done it. I've already been figuring it all out. That's the point of minor hockey is to figure out yourself. So that way, when that moment comes, when your opportunity comes, you're ready to, to execute and take advantage of it. And I won that game. And I absolutely stole the show in a 4-2 win with 40 saves as a 16-year-old playing a team that was going to have several guys drafted to the show. NHL scouts were blowing up Dale and my midget coach. It was insane. I, I'd honestly, I'd never experienced a moment of euphoria like that ever in my life, even over winning championships. I had put myself through the grinder just for the possibility to have a shot at even just playing one game. And I knew that moment would finally come. And when it did, I wasn't just going to be the kid with the green jacket who got a game. I was going to win no matter what it took. And I was going to run with that. And I used my experience from the spring losing. I used my experience in practice, getting up to speed. And now, how did I run with that opportunity? Because that moment changed my entire career, changed my whole career. I won that game. I didn't just get a game. I didn't just get the jacket. I won that game. So Dale played me another and another and another. And eventually they weren't putting my name on my jersey and were using a different name on the roster so I could play more games because they wanted to keep playing me. In that season, I went on to play 13 junior A games as a, as a 16-year-old rookie. And only three of them are actually recorded on my elite prospects. And I, I actually remember me and my dad at the time, we were like those bastards, won't even put me on the roster as, as, as me so I don't get the stats recorded because we wanted to use it. It's a big deal, right? But I was just getting so many games and we couldn't say anything at all. It was a dream come true for any 16-year-old kid. And uh, I wasn't just getting games. I was winning one after another. Win, win, tie, win, tie, tie, never losing. I did whatever it took to keep winning and not lose. And eventually I lost a game like seven, seven games in before the playoffs and then won a few before the season ended. And then an amazing thing happened. Dale started me as a 16-year-old AP in the playoffs, affiliate player. He started me. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He honestly never said much to me. <laughs> I, I was a kid too. I was so young. We, we didn't speak much, but he just played me and would go and I would go win for him and compete. And I remember before he started me in the playoffs, he said, you know, you just, you just never take your eye off the puck. You never let it out of your sight no matter what. If it's a rebound or a screen, you never let the puck out of your sight and you compete on every puck. That's why I play you. And I was so young, man. I was like, yeah, cool, man. <laughs> I didn't say, yeah, cool. I just said, oh, thanks. You know what I mean? But you're so young, right? You just kind of accept the compliment. But I'll never forget that moment that he said that to me because it truly defined my identity as Mike Santaguida. I competed and I never took my eye off the puck, which made it crazy hard to score me in any situation. I made my conditioning so good, my screen looked so good that I never ever took my eye off it despite traffic or scrums or rebounds because I was in such good shape from the VO2 work I did. And that defined my identity. And that obstacle of size led me to molding that identity. And that identity I molded from my obstacle led me to my opportunity. 
and led me to running with the biggest opportunity of my life. So in the playoffs, we lose game one, lose game two, lose game three, and he still played me despite us losing by a goal. 2-1, 3-2, In game four, I'll never, I'll never forget him. He played me still in a do-or-die match over the starter who'd been there all year. And in that game, we went to triple overtime, 2-2 tie. Chesswood Arena. I'll never forget it. And their whole team was chirping me from the bench, trying to get inside my head because I was a young guy. And and to myself, I was like, just win the game. Just win the game. Just win the game. Find a way to win. And, um, And we won. I won my first junior A playoff game in triple overtime against a top-seeded team in a do-or-die match after losing three in a row. And then next game, we won again. And then the third game, we went up in the first 10 minutes, and uh, I got a puck off my knee. And I couldn't get up. And they had shot a puck from the point, and a puck redirected off a guy and hit my knee bare full speed and blew up my knee. I wasn't wearing shin pads back then. And needless to say, I wanted to play, but I couldn't. I had to get rushed to the hospital for x-rays to see if my knee was shattered because I couldn't even put an an ounce of weight on it. I had to have people carry me out of the rink. And uh, we ended up winning that game 3-1 after scoring all three goals in the first period. So now the series is 3-3. And I wanted to play so bad, but I couldn't play next game because of my knee. And... uh, I just couldn't. It was impossible. I tried. It could barely walk or, or sit, let alone put pressure on it. Like it was, it gives me nightmares just thinking about it. And I watched from the stands and uh, as we lost game seven and I couldn't play. And what a heartbreaker, you know. Um, but I had accomplished so much and was so proud of myself. And uh, I went and I lived a minor hockey kid's dream of leaving it all out there and proving to everyone. Um, I proved everyone wrong. Whoever said I never even played junior A hockey. I was a top three goalie for stats in the first round in the playoffs. And I proved to everyone I was worth investing in. Me running with that opportunity led me to play at Avon Old Farms, arguably the best prep program in the country, which led me to play in the USHL, and then the BCHL, and then a championship there, and Western Canada Cup, CGHL Goalie of the Year nomination, RBC Cup, semifinal appearance, and then Vermont, and now pro hockey. So yeah, everyone used to spit in my face. Every single day, they spit in my face, even though they knew they were wrong. And maybe they didn't. Maybe they thought they were right. But I knew the obstacle was the way. It forced me to become the machine I am today. And it's the reason I ran with those opportunities when they presented themselves. So this is the best bounce in my career. And despite everything that happened prior to that first game in Orangeville where I won, I never doubted myself. I always strived to be the best version of me. No one knew that answer but me. Only you and me know our potential. No one else can put a cap or limit on you. You need to remember that. So be ready for your challenges. Be ready for when your opportunity comes. Do the work necessary to be ready because opportunities like that come once in a lifetime. And as you can see, for 16 years, I was getting ready for that moment. And I knew if I did the right things, my time would come eventually. And when it did, I wasn't going to let it slip. And it changed my whole career. And it's the reason I stand before you guys today. So Shay, thank you for your question. 
I hope this story inspires you and I hope this story shows that, you know, wherever you are today isn't necessarily where you'll be tomorrow. Whether things look good or grim, all you need to focus on is developing yourself to be better than everyone else and and being the best version of you, pushing yourself further. Test yourself. Have fun with it. How, 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 How high can you get your VO2? How good can you get your reaction speed? How strong can you get your legs and your hands? How wide can you make that gap over everybody else, over the competition? And I promise if you do that and dominate where you are, you'll get your shot. And when you do, you want to make sure you're ready to run with it and not just wear the jacket. Because lots of people put that jacket on. But not many people get to hang it in their closet and move on to the next one. Because those moments are what define careers. And it certainly did for me. So I know you guys have heard my my sort of story before. And this is a big, big, deep dive into the obstacle is the way, guys. The obstacle is the way. And uh, opportunity comes all the time. Opportunity presents itself to us in different ways. Like you could be on the worst team in the league. Imagine if you came first with a with the worst team in the league. That's what I did in Midget. We had a double A team. We went all the way to the finals. I would soak 40 to 50 shots a game and we'd win 2-1 every game. Opportunity is right in front of you guys. You just got to start focusing on yourself. Be ready. For those opportunities. Be ready to be the difference. Be ready to widen that gap. Be ready to pull some magic and stand out. Because if you want to get to the next level. You got to help people win at the next level. You got to prepare yourself where you are. You got to be better than everybody where you are right now. You need to widen that gap. And if you're in the middle of the pack listening to this right now. You got a lot of work to do. And that is from the bottom of my heart to to show you guys the right way of getting to the next level. There are very few guys that get there that don't deserve it. And the guys that don't eventually get weeded out. I knew I'd eventually outlast everybody. All the guys that got drafted, all the tall guys that didn't deserve it. I knew if I just got better results for longer, they'd eventually get weeded out. And guess what? It happened. So start widening that gap today. Don't just settle. Push yourself, push your limits, push you, go further than you think you can, challenge your beliefs, challenge yourself, challenge what you think you're capable of, challenge what everybody around you thinks you're capable of because nobody knows the ceiling, not even you sometimes. So the obstacle is the way opportunity comes in many ways, shapes and forms and you just got to be you just got to have the the self awareness to understand that it's an opportunity and uh when it comes be ready to take advantage of it and if you're not today it's okay but work to that be relentless and resilient in the pursuit of widening that gap knowing that one day your opportunity will come and when it does you're not going to need two of them you only need one like i did i only needed one shot and if you're looking, you're hoping you're going to get two of them, then you might be, you know, you might be looking in the wrong direction. Focus on your one shot. You're going to get it. I know you all are. So anyways, guys, 
absolutely love this segment today. I, I've given plenty of advice, and I know you guys are just going to find a tremendous amount of value in this conversation, right? And uh, I'm really looking forward to, to hearing your feedback on the episode. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me directly via email or Instagram. And uh, if you want you know, to take your game to the next level, consider joining my mentorship program. So that way you're ready for your opportunity when the time comes. And the links are available in the show notes or details are available at patreon.com slash goalie hacks. That's what the program is about. I know what it takes, guys. I know how to mold uh, a system and, uh, you know, a program around your identity that's going to help you. You don't, you don't need 10 chances. You need one. And I'm going to help you put the odds in your favor significantly. So when that comes, you run with it. Like all the other kids already in the program that went from A to AAA, AAA to Junior A, club hockey to prep on some of the best programs in the country. The results have been phenomenal. So I highly recommend that, that you consider joining. Um, and you can reach out to me with, with any more questions. But if you, if you want also a chance for your question to be featured on the show like today, please, 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 I absolutely love this segment. I'm so passionate about this stuff, guys. I really love you guys. I love doing this so much. I love goaltending, man. It's been my whole life. I've dedicated my whole life to this. And I really want to feature all you guys on the show, you know, either older or younger to answer some of your questions. So don't be shy. Um, if you want to do that, head to speakpipe.com slash goalie hacks to submit your question today. Uh, but that's it for today, guys. I love you all so much. And uh, I hope you can feel it that I care so deeply about you guys, you know, making your dreams come true like mine have. And um, I love telling that story of, of just being spit on forever and me not saying a word and being a quiet leader and just doing the right things. And, um, you know, yeah, I want I want to show you guys that wherever you are in your journey, it's never too dark to to pull yourself out of a hole or get there. It never is. If you work for it, the hockey gods will reward you, and that one opportunity will come that can change your whole career like it did mine. So, if you need anything, never hesitate to reach out to me, guys. I'm here for you. But for now, y'all take care. Be safe. Good luck as the season gets underway, and we'll chat soon. Peace, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come onto the show in the next few months. Make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. as next week I have one of New England's top goaltending coaches whose name just comes up so much in the goalie community, George Bozak with Bozak Goaltending. He's helped so many goalies get to the next level for years now in the region and is one of the biggest names in New England junior hockey. He's a super knowledgeable and down-to-earth guy. This one was awesome to record, and I know you guys are just going to love the content when we put it out next week, so make sure to tune back next Tuesday. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for the NeuroTracker X subscriptions we're giving away every week. And to enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. If you guys are also interested in getting started with the product, feel free to hit me up either by email or on Instagram direct messages to get more details. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.